Hi, Creepsters. I'm Barry Marino. And I'm Philip Landry. And this is it's Open Shutters. Scary ghosts, creepy serial killers, all things that go bump in the night. Enjoy the view from the open shutters. <laughs> hey, Philip, what's up? Oh, Since you, last night. <laughs> I'm feeling all fat and sassy. Yeah, we re we recorded our last bonus episode. Well, this You're going to be hearing this on Sunday. What is the date Sunday they're going to be hearing that? April, oh, is that April 11th, Sunday? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Uh, and today is actually April 8th. And uh, last night, April 7th, was when we recorded a tribute to Jessica Walter in the movie play Misty for me. That was fun, wasn't it? Oh my gosh, it was great! <laughs> I'll go, I'll go listen to it. Yes, and you guys, I really wish I can't find anywhere it's streaming. I had bought the movie on YouTube, but it's not a really expensive DVD if you want to buy it. And I think it's a, it's just like three bucks to rent on Vudu and Amazon Prime. I really do recommend the movie. It's a good movie. And speaking of movies, what you've been watching this week? Uh, well, I wanted to mention, because I hadn't got to mention before, uh, me and my partner went and saw The Courier. How was it? With Benedict Cumberbatch. That's a name and a half, isn't it? Cumberbatch. Batch. And then Benedict Arnold. Ben Bened oh, God. I, I love say. him, though. He is so hot. Like, yeah, it's a, that name is almost something almost I've seen. Benedict. He kind of reminds me of like a younger version of my man. You realize so. it has dick and cum. <laughs> Now he's getting nasty. I know, I, but this whole month's gonna be nasty. That's why we have to. That's why we have to mark our episodes explicit. Yes. <laughs> well, it really is an it was an excellent movie. I'm not gonna give any spoilers, but I just want to mention it is about a um, businessman who turns a into a British spy to spy on the Russians in the early '60s in Moscow. So it's got a Cold War type of thing. Yes, theme, and, right? it's, and it is based on the true true events. So. Oh, wow. I haven't really watched anything because Lance has been playing this video game and it's kind of like hogging the TV. That bitch. <laughs> I know. He's going to get one of them. They got it. He got hogging in, the damn TV. He got into that, that this, this video game and he always says, oh, only losers play video games. But then again, then he. Um, he gets into it. Well, I started, I hadn't finished, but y'all would probably like, I'm sure Lance will even like it, uh, along with even Curtis and everybody, The Irregulars. Oh, he did like Serial Mom. We did watch that. Oh, yeah, Serial Mom. But The Irregulars, I'm sure he'll like because he likes Victorian era stuff and all. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like this kind of twist on kind of like the Sherlock Holmes kind of time, but it's more focused on these these um, it's not one group of, those... of young people that assist Watson and Holmes. Oh, okay. So there's a bird of mystery. Yes. Oh, one, yeah. It's not one of those period well, pieces. Or crime mystery because there's also like kidnappings and other things. And yeah. I, I just uh, sometimes I just can't take those 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 historical dramas where all these people with British accents sit around the drawing room fanning themselves, saying things like, "I'm so bored." 
Oh no no! This, so is this, the audience. This has a whole paranormal thing going on and everything else. So like, I'm sure Lance will enjoy the hell out of it. My, so will you. My late partner loved those kind of movies. Anything that was period, costume, anything like that. And he used to, he used to um, watch them. I used to call them Fred movies because it was a kind of movie. Uh, one of them he watched. This is supposed to be some great Stanley Kubrick movie called Barry Lyndon. Did you ever see that? Oh, God damn it. That's the most boring movie I've ever uh, seen. And there's a scene where Ryan O'Neill's in it. And it was a Kubrick movie? It was a Kubrick movie. It's, and it's set in the uh, American Revolutionary period or some kind of thing like that. But Ryan O'Neill's son, who's a little boy, is dying. And they they take that death scene and they drag it out so much. And the little kid is going, oh, Papa. When I'm gone, will you? Blah, blah, blah. He's going, yeah, yes. And the, and the scene goes on for like 20 minutes. And I'm like, I wish this damn kid would die already. You know? <laughs> yeah, at first you're crying because it's this poor child's dying. And then you're like, okay, kid, die. You know? <laughs> oh, God, Lord. I, 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 that was it. I, would never saw, I never saw that movie again. And I usually kind of, if he was watching something like that, I would just go online or something. Now, we did want to talk about taking it from period pieces to in the moment, in the now, like what's going on. Uh, you said you had got to watch the Superstore series finale. So yes, did I. I did. And I was really happy to see American America Forever back. I am yeah. going to say something we may, if you don't want to hear this, skip a little bit because uh, we may give a little bit of spoiler here. Like yeah. Slightly. Because we want to mention this problem of the most timely series finale about what is going on in America, what is going on in the world, what is happening. And they really presented what it was like in that whole in the whole series what it was like to be a retail worker. Yes. And in a in a big box store like Walmart, like a, like like that's what Superstore is kind of based off of. Yes. You know, if you look at the colors and all the stuff going on with that they, they really never came out and expressly said Walmart but it was Walmart. It looked like Walmart. It looked like Walmart. Everything I'll tell you, I worked at two big box retail giant stores. I'm not going to mention their names, but number one and number two yeah. <laughs> of size. And it, it's not an easy job. It is very stressful. It's uh, it, They don't really pay you enough. Yeah. And, and they really did, the series finale really did hit on where we are in the in like i said in the country in the world where we're shifting away from there's not as many like there's gonna be more people doing online or doing like the fulfillment center kind of things and all i mean i'm not trying to give everything away on the finale but that part i am kind of giving away is why it's a finale it's the store yeah. is no longer the store as it was known in the series yeah. it's actually changing and we're seeing that happen in real time in the world around us and you know i'm sad by that because one of the things i always you know i i like oh one thing i did recently watch is the blast blockbuster have you seen that one yet i want to watch that one i hadn't t what would you think about it oh I, as a matter of fact look it's showing oh my God. Right ah! now. <laughs> we, have, we have the netflix screensaver showing and there's kevin smith holding up a blockbuster video. oh my god that's scary that came across right at the time that's um you know i'm sorry i miss stuff like blockbuster i miss 
you know, I know it's so easy just to, to download something or watch it on YouTube or watch it on Netflix or watch it on HBO Max. But I'm really saddened because I really used to enjoy going to the video store. You'd be frustrated. They wouldn't be, be, you know, they'd be out of it. Now you'd be sitting there waiting for it to come back when the new release. Well, I'm like the last real generation that really knows what that felt like. And now, and I used to love shopping for DVDs. When the DVD era came and people stood buying instead of renting, I used to go uh, Virgin Megastore, which no longer exists. Was in the oh front, my there god, one, that was a fabulous There was store. one in the French Quarter, and the new oh. releases would come out on Tuesday. But if you happened to be there Monday night after midnight, they would, they, you, you would tell them. People, it was like almost like a guild of us that got together that would be at that store. And I had the cab at the time. And there was a cab stand right in front of the Walgreens, right across the street where I could park. And um, I can remember waiting for the, like, the new Buffy season to come out on DVD. <laughs> yes. Or the new 24 season to come out on DVD. Mm. And I, I loved it. It was kind of like, it was, it was like what the drive-in was to me when I was a kid. And we lose it all that. And it's, it's not only the pandemic, it's, we're getting to be a stay-at-home society now. Everybody just locks themselves in their house. They have everything they need. We even have our groceries delivered if we need them. And I don't know. I like going to the grocery store. I like pinching the melons to see if they're ripe. Don't you? Yeah. I still... Okay, okay. Talking about places that things might... Experiences might not happen. I love actually going to the bookstore and actually picking out my calendar for the year every year, you know? But they saying that's a thing that younger people aren't doing. They're not buying, like, wall calendars. Oh, I just... I, I, just I like went, a wall calendar. I went born to Noble Estate... Uh, open forever. But you know, we do have a new bookstore. Did you know that? No, nobody told me about this. Tell oh, me. On the Legion Fields in St. Claude, in, right next to... It's where that daiquiri shop used to be across the street. What is the it? It's called Baldwin and Company, and it's a bookstore and coffee shop combined. Ooh. You remember like Upstart Crow? You remember Upstart Crow? It was okay. kind of like that. I have to go check that and, out. Uh, and the um, the old... It's next to the old Jeans Po' Boys. It was the daiquiri shop. Oh, wow. And it's a, a bookstore, co cafe, coffee shop, like oh. like a Starbucks with books. Oh, we have to go. We have, we, to we go have together. Got, we got to go. We got to go after we record. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds interesting. Yeah. So um, I have a couple of shout outs. Yeah. I, I just, well, we did a shout out to uh, the um, these different podcasts that had also done a Play Misty for Me episode. I did those on the Play Misty for Me episode. So I really don't have to do them again. But I also want to say hey to Shaughnessy and... And Justin, of don't Love look you, under Sean the bed. And, and uh, I got I, I got reacquainted with a lady I knew in the nineties, and it comes it, it coincides with the theme of this this month's uh, shows, this month's uh, series. She wrote a, a play. Her name is Amy Rubin, and she wrote a play called The District. And um, it was about Storyville. And it was uh, she, we did a scene, couple of scenes of it from for Drama Rama. Do you remember Drama Rama? I don't know if you were around for Drama Rama. Mm -hmm. Drama Rama was a big, I used to call it like the Jazz Fest of theater, and it was performing arts. People would would submit, you know, pieces of their plays, scenes from their plays, and I had my way at show, which was actually episodes, and I would submit that, and and, and you and you would direct it, and they give you a space to use, and you'd direct it, and 
you know, you'd hire the actors and direct it and everything. And if any money came up, they'd usually just give it to the actors. Now, Amy had written one called The District, and she sent me some sides. She ma mailed them to my house. I loved the script when I read it. You know how that when I, I don't know if you've ever done any acting. Oh, someone I was younger. There's some actors out there. You know when you get that script and you go, my God, I have to do this. I have to do this. <laughs> and as a result, I always did a lot of research whenever I had a role. I, I was that kind of actor. I wanted to know everything about my character. So I started researching and reading about Storyville. I read a book by Al Rose called Storyville, New Orleans. I was mesmerized. And I have been interested in the red light district ever since and that is why we doing a whole month on it this year oh yeah this this month this year we're doing a whole month of april is on it tonight's episode is about one of the madams and uh so um she was uh she was a very very intense director i gotta say she was really tough and uh but Actually, I always felt like that made me a better actor. So I got back with her, and I told her we were doing this series. And she said, she's going to listen. She goes, but I'll have you know I'm going to be your toughest critic. I said, oh, Lord. So, Amy, if you're out there, I hope that I, uh, all we respect you, and I hope that you enjoy what we do, and I hope that we make you proud. So what else we got? You got some obits, don't you? Yes, I Bring do. Bring on the obits. I do. Let me get my obits together. Okay, I think we're way too excited about dead people. Ah, uh, well, okay. So we're going to start with, we did Jessica Walter last night. We did a whole episode. Yeah, really. That go go listen to that, that episode if y'all haven't That is the first chance. time we have done anything, a whole episode of, of, an, of an obit, but then we watched... Her very first breakout movie. So we're going to start with Gloria Henry, who played Alice Mitchell, the mom of the titular, cow, titular character in the sitcom Dennis and Menace. She died April fourth at ninety-eight. Aww. She used to do. She she was. Uh, she's done shows like Perry Mason, The Files of Jeffrey Jones. I never heard of that one, but it was a starring role as Dennis's warm-hearted mother in a comedy based on a long-running comic strip. Where most people know her, and she appeared in all 40, 146 episodes from 1959 to 1963. You weren't even thought of, were you? Yeah, I've seen her on Syndicate, though. Oh, yeah, it, it, was so it comes really... on like MeTV and stuff, or something like that. And then we have uh, we, the next one we're going to do is Richard Gillian. He's a veteran character actor whose credits include Designing Women 24, Desperate Housewives. And he died March 18th after a brief illness. And so what the illness was. He was 71 years old. And he was married to Jean Smart of Designing Women, who played Charlene. I remember, yeah. remember it's Charlene and that's Charlene. And, uh, but he was on the TV show, he played the love interest of Annie Potts' Mary Jo. Yes. He was married to Charlene. And, uh,. You know, Smart always cribbed. I met him when he was kissing someone else. So <laughs> <laughs> rest in peace, Richard. Aww. And the last one, uh, all of uh, the baby boomers and Generation Xers will probably know this lady, Beverly Cleary. She was a children's author, iconic children's author. And she, um, do you remember her? You ever read any of her books? Um, yeah, no, my mom was a school teacher, so she had us, like, I'm... I mean, 
She read all kinds of books to us, but she definitely, my mom was all about her. So, so uh, yeah, she, she um, the, the, uh, Henry Huggins and uh, Beezus and, and Ramona, the mouse and the motorcycle. She died March 25th in Carmel, uh, California. Ironically, that's where the movie we saw last oh, night. Yeah. <laughs> and she had lived there since the 60s, so she must have had a ton of a hippie out there. She was 104 years old. That's that's a, that's a full life. That's and she was for iconic characters, the, the children's books characters, and uh, it first published in 1950. And she has 40 plus novels still in print. I'm sure, there's probably millennials have read her books too. She, they've been a standard in schools for the past what, 70 years. Yeah. Well, talking about the dead. I need to talk about a couple of things that have been going on in the world. You mean before your um, oh, wait, your dead well, obits, your well, dead horoscope? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If anybody's been kind of keeping up with international news, uh, some interesting things have been going on in Egypt. Egypt? Yeah, first off, they moved the mummies from one location to another, and it was a full-on procession parade. Oh, I just thought of a stupid joke. I was they, we could write a book about called Mummy Dearest. <laughs> they had, <laughs> yeah, it was stupid, really huh? interesting. They actually had them in these, 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 these kind of cart movable things. They were moving them, and it was decorated, you know, with, mm-hmm. like, the, the Egyptian motifs, and it would have the name of whatever the mummy was, like, the actual pharaoh or queen or whoever was, was on there, and they're moving to their new location of resting, where they're going to be. So that that in itself, I just wanted to mention, was extremely... Yeah, why do they have to move the mummies? Weren't they I, okay where they want? I don't know, but they had to be careful, so these things, there was very climate control, these little the things they were carrying them in, the little vehicles. But there's another piece of news, archaeologically, that came out today. The lost golden city of Luxor has now been discovered, and Egypt has now released that information that they have discovered. Oh, so I am also wondering. I, I, I'm, I'm interested in that. That's. I'm also wondering, like, when these discoveries, things like this, happen, what have what have we opened up? You know. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> what new curses might be unleashed on the world? Okay, but it is still on on another level, though. It is very intriguing that all of this is going on. So. Wow. That is just too much. So I, t- I didn't know. So you had you had you heard of any of that going on? I, I haven't really read have the to news on that. I got to look it up. I'm gonna have to read some more about it. Oh yeah, because it's very entertaining. All of this is going on like right now. So yeah. what what does this hold for 2021? It's what I've got to say. Uh, I don't know. I think the whole decade of the 2020s. <laughs> I got a joke about how all the calamities of the tw- of the 19 of the 2020s was accidentally put into one year. <laughs> <laughs> so, before you get to the, um, you want to talk about the Patreon account? Yeah, so yeah, we have a Patreon account. Uh, we have uh, different tiers of, we have different tiers of membership on Patreon. Uh, we have the, uh, what I've, I've, uh, our entry level is Antoinette Frank. And with that, you get early access to episodes and several other perks. Uh, mid-tier is the Axe Man. 
But our top tier, Madame Lalaure. All our tiers are named after notorious New Orleanians. That's where you get all the good stuff. That one's, but that one's twenty-five dollars a month. But you get all kinds of great stuff, and we really need you guys. We really need support really bad now. We just bought a new laptop, and we're in debt for it. <laughs> we making payments on it because our laptop that we we were using just wasn't cutting it anymore. It was old and cranky, and it finally decided to say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> That's what he so, said. So anyway, it's uh, www.patreon.com/openshutters, and uh, go there and you can see our content. You can unlock anything you want. We're gonna have a lot of, but we don't have a whole lot of bonus content right now. We had an illness because of um, we were gonna put our Sybil episode on there, and then I thought about putting the play Misty for me one on there, but I wanted that one to be a public. But starting next week, we're going to have a lot of bonus episodes. We're going to have one about Storyville itself. Yep. We're going to do one about um, about the history of prostitution. Going all the way back. All the way back. All the way back to, to, to the ancient Rome, to the Internet age. And then we're going to go, we, we also do one about the history of porn, which also is going to go all the way back. And on the history of porn, we might even do a little segment in there also as part of it, not just the history, but talk about the future of what sex industry and porn industry could become. And you know what's ironic is next week's madam, Lulu White, was one was a very early porn model. Yes. Which we're going to touch more on that next week. But first, don't you have some horoscopes? Oh, Yes. It's time for y'all to belly up to the speakeasy bar. Oh. Because we got the poison cocktail menu. But you know our story deal is, is like before Prohibition. It it's before that. Mm-hmm. But it could just be the brothel. It could even be a brothel um, uh, bar, whatever. But yeah. it's time to belly on up. The thing is, maybe you should have been nicer to your prostitute. I knew bar Maybe you should have. Well, y'all, you should always tip your bartender. Always and, tip your bartender. I used your to servers. be a bartender, yes. and you yes, keep, you have no tip. idea what that job entails. Tip your bartender. Yes, but yeah, maybe maybe you should you should have taken better care. Maybe you should have left a better tip for your prostitute because she's now told the bartender to carry out her plans to poison you. Oh, good for her. So let's talk about how you're going to die. Let's read the poison cocktail menu and what each sign is going to be served. <sighs> Starting out with Aries. Oh, That's our sister podcast. That's our sister girls. That's yes, our sister girls. Justin and Shaughnessy. All right, what's happening? Yeah, it's, y'all, it's, y'all, it's y'all birthday month, I heard. Yes. Yeah, well, we're in Aries now because I heard them say that when I was listening to the last episode. Yes, so y'all are being served up a margarita with a cyanide sugar rim. Oh, cyanide sugar. Yeah. They wouldn't even get to drink that. They just put their lips on it and they're going. Pretty much. (laughs) Taurus. The bull. How how are we going to kill that bull? (laughs) We actually... (laughs) Cosmopound 1080. Oh. So basically a cosmopolitan with cos- compound 1080, That's which is an animal bowl. neurotoxin. Why don't we just throw in some uh, Everclear 190? Actually, the compound 1080, if you're not aware, if people aren't aware of it, as a poison, it actually can, when it kills and it's in there, it can actually live inside like the body of the host for 
or not well it's not toxin it's not living but it can stay in there it can be toxic for up to a year inside the body so when the worms oh, crawl up in there it kills the worms too I guess. You heard that little nursery rhyme? The worms crawl in. The, the worms, worms crawl, crawl out. The in your stomach and out your mouth. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> they, use that on, they use that on Babadook. I think the movie Babadook. I haven't <gasps> seen Babadook. I gotta see it. <gasps> I know there's one I want to watch. You have to Maybe watch even after the podcast we could watch it. What's that one? Uh, what what li- what's beneath? What lies beneath or something? What lies below? What lies below? What that what girl finds out her mom married that like you just saw. Uh huh. That's what she was looking at. <laughs> yeah, but I, I like too, I, I like the mystery thing too. too. But well, I was looking at that. We had Gemini. And looking at all that shit. We made it to Gemini. You know who that is. That's yeah. our Ross. Ross, yeah, and he's working his new job. That's what I forgot to talk about. I got a new job. Yeah, well, yeah, go take him. Yeah, I'll be selling tours. Yeah, him and on the street. Uh, well, well, we're doing that. <laughs> I'm yep. working the streets. <laughs> not like you hadn't done that before. Uh, oh, stop, stop, stop! I'm not Sue Ann Nivens. Come on, <laughs> Long. Why can't you be? No. You know, my favorite Sue Ann Nivens line is when she's telling Mary they doing Mary's in charge of something. Mary Richards is in charge of doing changes in the station. She's you're gonna have to get them get better paint for the men's room. And Mary says, Sue Ann, did you, did you crash the men's room? She says, of course not, dear. I went as someone's guest. <laughs> <laughs> That's yes. Betty White. Yes, I love some Betty White. <laughs> well, Gemini, Moscow mule with a hint of ricin. Ooh. Well. You know, you just made my stomach explode hearing that. Yeah. Well, I think this whole list is either making people gasp for air, making them vomit, Making them shit themselves. This whole list is making people do something, you know. But they're all, for one thing for sure, they're all going to die. They're gonna die, okay. <laughs> or at least end up on a respirator. So we're all killing people and putting them on respirators. Yep. Cancer. Oh. Oh yeah, we came for you. It's bad enough my sign's named after a dreaded disease. Your amatoxin sour. Ugh. I'm not drinking no amatoxin sour. I ain't drinking that. You're familiar with amatoxin, aren't you? I want. I try to keep myself unfamiliar. It with comes amatoxin. from. It comes from the death cap mushroom. Oh, Spain. oh, Rod loves mushrooms. Mm-hmm. He's giving me a dirty look because he. Well, just but you're the, the one. He's not a cancer. You are. He just. Came so that's in how from you work. dying. Okay? He just came in from. He's work. dying. He he's, hates mushrooms. He's dying from the ricin. You're dying from the. I got a mushroom pizza one time, and he went to bite my head off. Well, now we're at Leo. That's that's Curtis. That's Curtis, and that's and Curtis my, is back that, home with us, that's y'all. My second, so yeah, and he's doing great. And he's doing really. And it, but now, now I'm going to kill him off. <laughs> you kill him off after he came home. Yeah, with a Pim's cup of botulinum. With a little, little cucumber in it, huh? <laughs> little cucumber. A little pickle. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have the botulinum in it, and you put a little extra botulinum on the cucumber. Yep. Yeah. Obviously, oh. you do. Oh, <laughs> Raj just walked through and talked about it. Said, dropped. Oh, Lord. I don't even. I don't know about little Ooh. pickles. I usually get Ooh. them big old dills in the convenience oh, store. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Cucumber. Virgo. Virgo. You get a hemlet. Basically, a hemlock gimlet is what it is. It's called a hemlet. Hmm. Isn't that precious? 
You didn't have a beer for Virgo. My dad was a beer drinker. Well, no, this is cocktails. And it's also, uh, if people don't realize, we're in one of the reasons. I know what a gambler is. One of the reasons. This is a martini with an onion. That's all. One right. of the reasons I wanted to do, because of the oh, series. Oh, no, 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 that's a Gibson. I'm because sorry. of the series this month with the New Orleans Madams, and the reason I wanted to do, on one of the weeks, this poison cocktail menu is because New Orleans is the home. Of the cocktail. Of course, yeah. Exactly, so that's the whole reason why. The Sazerac And also, what we're going to be talking about, a lot of these um, madams we're going to talk about, we're going to actually on this bunch of Storyville, a lot of it was about liquor sales, was huge at one point in Storyville. I want to have a quick story after you finish the, the, uh, about my, a bartending experience. Okay, I had sure, definitely. But finish your horoscopes first. Libra. That was your mama. That was my mama. Well, we got a Fox Glove French 75. Fox Glove French 75. That sounds like something she would enjoy. It's, it's probably... It's probably she'd probably nice. feed it to my dad. Does she like champagne? That's like kind of one of the ingredients. I don't think she really likes champagne. You know what but she likes? But it's mixed with... She yeah. likes things like pina coladas and strawberry daiquiris. Those are the kind of drinks she likes. Oh. The frou frou lady drinks, <laughs> and she liked them even better if they didn't have any liquor. She just liked the sweetness. Oh, okay. She was a sugar mama. <laughs> oh, that's precious. Scorpio. Ooh, that's uh, you. Huh? Yeah, y'all getting the lily of the Vucare. Oh, lily of the valley. Yeah, which it's lily. not those little those little those little oh, bellflowers are toxic. Sagittarius. That's my man. <laughs> Oh, what are we going to do to him this week? He's getting a strict nine Sazerac. <laughs> that man, he got kicked up by King Kong. Now he's getting a strict nine Sazerac. Actually, my story's about the Sazerac. Wait, huh? let, me, let me explain why I had to give him strict nine. And he'd like to say it, pronounce it saying strict mean. Is because he was, he, he, he at night, he'll go, he'll go to bed and watch TV. And I'll still be up watching TV in the other, in the living room. Mm -hmm. What does he put on at night to go to bed to? Poirot. Oh. David Chichette. Yeah, you know it's about Poirot? Yeah. Well, there was an episode, because when I was trying to figure this out, just so happened they had an episode where somebody died of strychnine, but he said strychnine, the character. Oh. So Jim likes to say strychnine. Oh, I shouldn't know to say his name. Oh, well. Well, let King Kong pick him up and throw him. Whatever. Fine. <laughs> and eventually it was going to come out. I ain't giving his last name, but Jim is his name. <laughs> I ain't even gonna kill him with strychnine. Capricorn. Oh, that's that Capricorn. Capricorn. Yeah, you got it now. That's your man, huh? Oh, geez. Yeah, I missed the video game. Well, what we serving him? <laughs> that's why we haven't watched anything. <laughs> I know. He's, he's well, hijacked. Well, don't worry. You might get to watch stuff now because we're serving up him up in Oleander fashion. Oh. Oh, Leander. Yes. He's got a friend named Leander. I, guess so. I know. I kind of kind of put a jab there with that. <laughs> <laughs> Aquarius. Oh, actually, I think Leander is a fan of the podcast. I think he listens. Actually, I have no problem with Leander. I put Le a jab. He's the online. jab was that. Le Leander, if you are listening, we actually appreciate you. We, oh, thought, we, love we you. thought you'd get a kick out the joke. But Le and she Le could kill I, I Lance. think Leander has been, I think he's he's on one of in one of the um, Facebook groups. I think it's the official page for Open Shows at Creep Podcast. Oh yeah. Well we appreciate you, Leander. Yeah. And we hope we got the joke and enjoyed it. That was it, was, it definitely was fun. <laughs> you say you got a shout out. Yes. <laughs> we gave him a shout out. Aquarius. 
Ooh, y'all. We getting y'all with an arsenic martini. And it's going to be dry. A dry. dry arsenic martini. And put them in a dry grave. And it's kind of funny because if you actually abbreviate arsenic martini, you get AM, which means morning. Mm-hmm. So there's probably an Aquarius that you're going to probably have to have that drink prepared for them in the morning. They're already starting to drink that early. Well, as long uh, as it's after midnight, it's AM. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I didn't think of it that way. Yeah. There you go. Pisces. That I love fish. my Pisces people. That's why you want to kill them. This this goes out. Actually, this goes out to my face. Some of my favorite ones. I got y'all a Tetra Doni. It's basically a Negroni with pufferfish toxin. Oh God. Yes. Pufferfish so, does not sound. Appetizing. So we're basically telling you, fuck you with the fugu. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we break for the commercial, I want to tell you guys a little bartending story. I was working at a restaurant in a quarter, and I was. It was a private party. And I was asked to do a Sazerac presentation. Oh. So I'm sitting all there showing them how you do the Sazerac and how you coat yeah. the glass with the Pernod and all of them. Making jokes. Now my jokes I'm making, which I know are funny as hell. And they're not laughing. They're just staring at me and they're saying, Furfergluggen. I'm like, what the fuck is a Furfergluggen? So finally, I, I, I asked the tour guide, the, the, the concierge that was doing that. I said, what's wrong with these people? Why are they not laughing at my jokes? She says, oh, I forgot to tell you. They don't speak English. I said, well, no wonder they think I'm a furfurglugan. And I'm standing up here talking to them in English, laughing <laughs> at my own jokes, and they don't know a freaking thing I said. So furfurglugan must mean dumbass, an idiot or something. I can't believe such a thing. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to our Barry Marino Crafts Creation commercial, and then we're going to be right back with Josie Arlington, a notorious Storyville madam. In case some of y'all remember, I have another business that's finally become live on the internet. It's Barry Marino's Craft Creations. You know about that oh, one, don't yeah, you? it's wonderful. I have made afghans, table runners, you've seen some of my work, hats, scarves, and much more. And more coming weekly. You know what the great thing is? We sell holiday items all year round, so you'll not have to wait till that time of year to order what you will like and enjoy. You can buy your presents oh, and get I love your it. shopping done early. Uh, thanks to our Oz, Will, it is an easy, interactive website to see what has been posted. And guess what we finally got? We finally got line, a, a line of candles. Oh, nice. yes! And we will have wonderful scents for the holidays that just for seasons. A holiday line will have something special. Like right now, we have purple, green, and gold Mardi Gras fan candles. And guess what, Philip? What? We put a king cake baby inside You the got candle. to put the king cake baby in there. So, uh, yeah, and it's so cool. They're so pretty. I wish that we were actually on YouTube right now so we could show them. But anyway, you can go there on our site if you want to see them. BarryMarinoCraftCreations.com B-A-R-R-Y-M-A-R-I-N-O-C-R-A-F-T-C-R-E-A-T-I-O-N-S.com. I wanted to spell the whole thing out so that nobody, everybody gets it right Definitely. when they want to come to it. All righty, thank you. 
Philip, what's up? Hi, we back. Uh, what did you think? We have a, we starting our new series today. It's called The Shady Ladies of New Orleans. Ooh, sultry. Dirty. Dirty. Yeah, well, yeah, they're sexy, too. Sexy. Um, we talking, first of all, um, we're going to do this whole this whole season. We're taking a different madam. Three of them are going to be from Storyville itself. The last one's going to be what was known as the last madam. She's an interesting one, too. Oh, yeah. But she's post-Storyville. Now, we also this week going to do a um, uh, some bonus episodes for our Patron patrons. And we're going to do, one of them's going to be the history of Storyville itself and how it started and, when it, and, 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 and all the different types of brothels that were there and things like that. The second one is going to be the history of prostitution itself, which we're going to go way, 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 way back into the Roman times when, you know, it's, you know it is the oldest profession. Actually, oh, that's what I, might, yeah. I might title the episode that, The Oldest Profession. You should. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got the, the, the la another one we're going to do is the history of pornography. Now, I, I watched a really good good documentary about that, and I think it's on, on one of the – I think it's on one of the apps, one of the Roku apps. We're going to try and find it. But I might even be able to get the DVDs. It was really good. It's like a four-part British yeah. – documentary but it goes all the way back all the way to this one was was made in the late 90s so it goes about as far as it doesn't get to Pornhub and all that yet but it goes about as far as to the internet porn and we'll also we'll also on both the prostitution and on the pornography uh, um, episodes will actually even um, speculate on what the future could be yes for both. Uh, yes we will now every week we have we, we we doing this month we're doing a different madam. Uh, this week we're doing her madam is Josie Arlington. You ever heard her? You know who she is? Oh huh? yes. Yeah, she's probably one of the most infamous Storyville madams, and she was born Mary Dubler in New Orleans, and about eight. And they say about 1864. Nobody knows for sure when her birthday was, what year, what date, anything. But you know, back in those days, they, they, they were home births. And there, you know, there, were, there was a midwife, and it, well, the midwives back then weren't the, profe the healthcare professionals they are today. The midwives were some woman in the neighborhood that just would deliver the babies, and uh, they didn't keep a whole lot of records. And a lot of the children didn't live either. And she never married. So when she was about seventeen, she fell in love with a man named Philip. Ah, your name? Oh, Phillip one L and two L's. Hold on, Philip Lebrano. Well, one L. Okay, good. Then it ain't mine. I have You're two. You're two. Okay. I have two. <laughs> Philip Lobrano, and he was what they called the sporting man. You know, a sporting man is pretty much a pimp, I guess. Because she worked in various... She was with him for nine years, and she worked in various brothels on Custom House and Basin. And she used the name Josie Alton. Now, um... Around 1888, she's now calling herself Josie Lobrano, and she's, um... She operated a house at no, number 172 Custom House. And then when Storyville was established in 18, 1898, she opened her big four-story mansion brothel on Basin Street. It was called the Arlington. Now, there's legends about how she became a prostitute. One of them says that it was the only way she knew to support her family because she was uneducated. Another one says that she went out 
one night and she got home too late. She missed curfew and the parents like, so she went back to the front quarter and started hooking. Gotta work the street. That <laughs> one is, I'm not sure about how, how yeah, true that's that a little, is. yeah. And it, that one's used, a lot of people still use that. And it's also, um, it was actually used by some Pentecostal churches. Some excuse why we need family values because of what happened to Josie. Oh my god, that was just this pathetic commercial ad that came on, you know, in the um, you know, the local station at two o'clock in the morning kind of thing. With, oh, I know, pay ten dollars for airtime. So, anyway, <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> think I believe that one. So, she opened the Arl uh, the Arlington. Now, the uh, the custom house brothel was really, really quarrelsome. And it was one of the toughest houses in the area. A lot of, a lot of really nasty hoes, <laughs> we call them. And, um, but she made so much money from this, she was able to open that classy mansion on Basin Street. And she used this, uh, you know, she, she, she supported her entire family during this as a, as a prostitute. And uh, the brawling fighting within her house, there was brawling fighting and her lover, Labrado, shot Peter Dubler, her brother, in the duel. And she was pissed off at him and would not have anything to do with him. So she changed her name to Arlington. And there's also a legend that she stayed in the Arlington Hotel in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and she loved the hotel, that she named it herself after that. So um, she became Josie Arlington, and she's a, she was a hot-tempered brunette. She was, she was a little firecracker pepper. So when Storyville finally was erected, she opened her, her brothel at 225 Basin Street. This was a four-story mansion with numerous bay windows, a tulip-domed capula. What's a capula? Exactly. What is it? Capula. Coppola. Coppola. Keep going and I'll look it up for you. Okay, fine. She had fireplaces in wondering. all of the rooms. And according to her uh, advertising, the work of great artists from Europe and America, and many articles from various expositions. Now she uh, she had about 10, 20 girls working for her at the time, and double that during Mardi Gras. And Arlington was was reputed to be the most decorative, costly, fitted out sporting palace ever placed before the American public. Now. Um, I knew a lady that was a fellow tour guide, and we were at a party one time, and she was talking about, she was an old, she was an older lady, older than me. She was, I was in my 50s, and she was probably about in her 70s. And she was telling me about her grandpa told her that he used to go to sporting houses, and she thought that sporting houses were like a sports bar, where they would go and bet on, on, you know, on the track and everything. And when she found out what a sporting house really is, she says, whoa, Grandpa was a dirty old man, wasn't he? So I found it. What kind of cupola did she it's have? It's a tulip dome. Oh, so that was actually pretty... Um, okay, tulip dome. I'm wondering, actually, who may have designed that, actually. I know. Because what it is, is it's basically... Um, it's basically part of a dome structure. It emits like light, light and air and stuff. Oh. It's really something pretty. It's actually an ornate fixture. So it made the building actually quite pretty, actually. Now, she had one of the most high-class houses in, in, in Storyville, and Arlington uh, catered to a lot of eccentricity, specialties, and kinky tastes. And she even had circuses in which sex acts were publicly performed, providing specialists for fetishes. And she, was she was kanky. She was kanky. She was a kanky girl. Yes. 
Now, um, you know, once they, you know, they would be in there and they'd have the polite introductions and the drinking and the social nonsense and they'd be in the parlor and they'd pay and then they'd go in the room and they'd, you know, like pee on each other and everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a golden shower. Now you see why we are explicit. We marked explicit. Golden huh? showers. So she, Ar- <laughs> she, uh, she operated the Arlington By the uh, for about 10 years. She, it was one of the smoothest running houses she was a good businesswoman and she spent $35,000 to have a private residence constructed $35,000 in the early 20th century that's that's quite a bit and I built a house on Esplanade Avenue now there was a fire in 2005 and it caused extensive damage so she moved down the street to Basin Room to these rooms above Tom Anderson's saloon Tom Anderson was an alderman he, he was like a city councilman type of situation. And they used to call him the mayor of Storyville. And he owned a, he, he owned a club, a, a bar, a saloon. So she moved her operation of, over his saloon. And it became known as the Arlington Annex until they reconstructed her brothel. So they had a fire in 1905. Now that makes you wonder, did that yeah. fire move to other buildings? That, they, mo- they moved. They, they, she moved to operations to the building above Tom Anderson's saloon. And I understand the mayor that. of Storyville is what they used to call Tom I Anderson. I know. I'm going to have to look We're going to learn more about him in the Storyville episode. I have to look up that fire from the and, paper. Um, so anyway, um, he was one of her closest friends. And um, she retired in 1909. And Tom Anderson bought a large portion of her business. But after the fire, she started getting a little. She she was kind of moody, and she didn't mm. like people. She was she wasn't really getting getting to be really unpleasant to be around. Mm. And when she retired, her knee with her niece, and and half Splanade Mansion. She died on February fourteenth, Valentine's Day, to twenty to uh, nineteen fourteen. And it was three years before the Storyville closed and Arlington closed. Now um. When she retired, uh, when she died, this is what I find really interesting. She was, so she was born in 1864. She was only in her early 50s. She was 50 years old. She died of dementia. Mm. And I guess a woman 50 years old, or a man, a person 50 years old, back then would have been equivalent to maybe someone in their 80s today. True, you know, we're talking a hundred years ago. What's ironic is, is uh, um, her fire was a hundred almost exactly a hundred years before Hurricane Katrina. And do they did you ever find out what they claim she actually died of? Just to say, it was no, yeah, from what I've read and seen in the past, it was some sort of dementia. Hmm. She was, she's, and, and a lot of them think it was brought on. She may have today, we know a lot of times dementia can be caused by many strokes, and the stress from that fire. Yeah. Could have brought on some mini strokes, or maybe brought on a stroke that she didn't even know she had. Because that's what happened to my mom. My mom had a couple of mini strokes, and it did some damage to her brain that was progressive. Right. And that's why she went into the dementia thing. Now, mm-hmm. one of the things Josie always wanted was to be a member of society. She tried to join the social clubs. She tried to join all these carnival crews, and these snooty uptown women would not let her in. Uptown bitches. Yeah, them uptown bitches. So she decided that if she couldn't be one of them in life, she was going to be one of them in death. So she purchased a small plot on a small hill and erected a red marble tomb in Metairie Cemetery. 
and it's topped by two blazing pillars. Look at that picture. I mean, they have to post this picture. Oh yeah, it was a beautiful. And there's a um, it was you know a blaze is in row and there's a a, a a young girl, a bronze statue of a girl holding roses, trying to get in the door. And mm -hmm. some people think that what that symbolizes. One of her rules of her brothel was that no girl was ever going to, she would not deflower a virgin on her, on her property. Because some of, the, some of the, the, the houses would, they would present girls that weren't virgins as virgins. If you ever saw that movie Pretty Baby, they do that. But please, don't base Storyville history on that movie. because it was You really, better bring in took experience. A lot, you, it took a lot of, um, they took a lot of liberties with the, with, with the history and everything. They even filmed it in the Garden District. So, so she, you're saying she believed you needed to come with an experienced yeah, flower. Yeah, yeah. I know one thing, Leia was telling you about them being getting the show Amy. She hates that movie. Because she oh. says this, this is nothing but lies. So anyway, um, the tomb was an amazing piece of uh, funeral art. And it was designed by an eminent architecture named Albert Weiblin. Weiblin. And it cost her a small fortune. Supposedly it cost her $5,000, which would have been something like $100,000 in today's money. And it created a scandal, she said, but it was worth it. Tongues wagged all over the city, and people, mostly women, complained that Josie should not be allowed to be buried in Mary Cemetery. But New Orleans, <laughs> they don't care. She had the money. She was getting the tomb. So what happened is, is... um. The tomb has a little controversy and it has a little legend too. Some uh, people seem to think that um, it was uh, there was a, a traffic light or something that would shine on the tomb and it would shine a bright red because it was this pink marble. And um, she is the most famous of the, of the Sturyville madams. Yeah, the red light installed on the road behind it, and so her remains. Um, Later, her remains were moved to an unmarked grave in the same territory. In the same territory. <laughs> it's almost like live radio, isn't it? In the same cemetery. She, um... She, now, there's many different stories on why she removed. Some say the family was outraged because there were so many tourists wanting to see the tomb of the most, most notorious Storyville madam in history. Others, there's another story that her niece married her lover and they sold all assets and moved her out to the Morales family. Because it's now owned by the Morales family. And supposedly there's nobody left. There's a lady that's actually trying to get Josie moved back into her tomb. But the problem is, is the Morales family, there's none of them left. The last one there is died in 1970. It's the last burial they had there. But what I find interesting is, look at the name on there. Look at the name. J.A. Morales. What does J.A. stand for? Josie Arlington. Do you think maybe she might still be in there and they just said they moved her? Maybe they didn't move her? Hmm. Well, no. I mean, if she got moved, there may be documentation of her. Got, you need to check that because there may be documentation of her having been moved. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of people who would have believe. those records. The coroner would have those records, or the maybe the cemetery, cemetery would itself. have those records. The cemetery itself would have the records. Now, so. um, there's all kinds of. Um, Roz just dropped something. <laughs> did you drop it? No, it was over there. It was over there. Uh, 
Well, mm-mm-mm. <laughs> anyway, um, people really just were just coming to to to, to gawk at this this view this this tune. Well, there are also some that believe that it was she was removed because the family didn't want people gawking at her tomb, and then there are some that believe that Denise and her married her lover and. They sold off all her assets and sold the tomb and moved her remains. But there is a there are people right now who are trying to get that tomb, get her back in there. I have no idea where she is if she's not in there. But she, you know, she's one of the most famous ballads in, in, in New Orleans and we still talking about her today. Well, since you had to bring up the tomb, I had to look up the tomb. Oh, you did? Oh, I had to look up the tomb. I had okay, to look so up the tomb and the architect. So, he was actually one of the premier companies. He specialized in monuments and burial structures. This is oh. important more than just even Joe. That's why. And I'm he glad you looked this up. Albert yeah. Weebland Marble and Granite Company. Okay? So, and he, and he lived from 1857 to 1957. And oh, the year I was born. Looking, I was just I was just doing a quick search. I know this is on Wikipedia. <laughs> Don't judge me, okay? Yeah. But um, I'm looking at his famous works, and yes, her tomb is on there. But there's a couple of other interesting structures and tombs that are underneath Ooh. his list. The tomb of Lodge Number Thirty of the Benevolent and Protective Order of the Elks in the Greenwood Cemetery, in New Orleans. Oh, that big elk you see! With a beautiful elk. Yes, that is a gorgeous. So no wonder this is one of the most. He he does beautiful work. That's not all. There's a few others. One other I want to note. He's got there's a few others on here, but there's one other I do want to note that is actually no longer exists out in public. It's the PGT Beauregard Monument. You remember that? I remember that. Out they just front get rid of that. by City yeah. Park, and it was removed on the early morning hours of May 17th, 2017. Oh, yeah. So he had actually made that as well. He created that in 1913. So 1912, this is just interesting. So just to kind of give you a 1912 was the Elks. 1913, he had actually uh, was commissioned to do the PGT Beauregard Monument. And in 1914... Here we had the Josie Arlington. Well, actually, it was it was um, it was built in uh, in 1911, the Josie Arlington tomb. I guess it was she finished in 1940. It was well, she was erected. she died in 1940. So that's when it was erected. So that's when she. But so are they they giving us the dates of when these things were placed. Yeah, she died in 1914. It's when the, the work gets placed, is what they were um, saying. So he was very prolific, actually, in the 1910s and into the 1920s. Now there's also you know ghostly rumors too. Some people claim that the statue comes to life and walks around the cemetery at night. That's kind of. I think that elk sometimes comes off the elk one as well. <laughs> <laughs> that thing does look alive when the shadows start be, moving. Now, I would not be surprised if Josie's spirit's not around there. Oh, I'm sure. If she's not haunting her house on Esplanade. She might be haunting the cemetery for them moving her body if they did. I'm sure she's pissed about it. I would be. I would be, too, yeah. She made a lot of damn good money. I mean, but especially you know, this is the premier I think, you know, I mean, it's, it's uh, okay, I, I know, you know, they tried to erase a lot of the Storyville history. So it's really hard to find anything that's really accurate. We never know what the truth is. You know, I know we have a lot of historians out there that are stigmatized for the truth and they believe a certain thing. But who knows for sure? Because everybody was so ashamed of it. 
They mm-hmm. tore it down in the 30s and turned it into a housing project. Well, hopefully, hopefully, what, what changes light is and what hopefully does happen is you always find where there's some things that could get uncovered. So maybe somebody's letters or a journal or something's going to get... I would love to see something. There are some... I hear there's some of her, uh, like her... Um, like her, some of her chandeliers and all the, in some places around, but I'm not exactly. I mean, sure she where. might even. There may even be some record books out there that somebody now, might uncover. Our last um, uh, madam that we're going to be talking oh, yeah. about <laughs> last time. They, a lot of her stuff is still available to see. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, this um, and that that's that's going to be a real. You, you guys are in for a treat with okay, that one. She's I, a, she's really. A I good, got to since you're bringing one. up stuff and things like this in history with brothels. I have to mention, I'm going to have to talk to my partner and how he acquired it, but the actual dining chairs we have supposedly came from a brothel. So I'm going to try to find out the story behind that for you on a later podcast this okay, month. Okay, great. But we, my dining chairs are brothel chairs. Well, this was about <laughs> the picture. There's a picture of me. I think it's, I think it's on our Twitter sitting down at, uh, at Josie's tomb. And it was taken roughly about 10... I love that photo. That was a nice photo. I think it was taken in 2013. Mm. About eight years ago. It's a nice photo. And um, I, I posted it. It's on our Twitter page, you know, uh, at A Shutters. It's our Twitter. And I think I posted it on our Facebook page, too. It, got, it took it from my Facebook page. It wasn't taken with the greatest cell phone camera. So I'm one, maybe there's some kind of way it could be cleaned up and restored. Because it's, it's a picture I would like to really have looking really good, you know. Uh, and um, I, like, I used to like to go, I, I used to visit the tomb all the time. You know we got to do that. We got to drive through there and look at it. Oh, yeah. There they go there. I wish you, it would be cool if we could. If we could do a podcast from there. No, I no, really no. doubt that Nethery <laughs> Cemetery would let us do that. Uh, you see, Roz is, uh, uh, Will is kind of uh, superstitious. Okay, you. And he won't you, take pictures of you graves. Just, you just outdid me on that, Barry. Okay, I, I'm into doing a lot of things. I am not going to run a podcast within a cemetery. I have a little. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, that might be a little disrespectful. That is. <laughs> I don't think the Morales family would like that either. But anyway, yeah, so Mary Cemetery, actually, there's some people buried in Mary Cemetery, like Al Copeland, the founder of Popeye's Fried Chicken, Louis Pro. He's even got the song, the first v- lyrics of Just a Gigolo, the lyrics of Just a Gigolo on his grave. And he's right next to Dom and Jim Moran, who was a famous restauranter on, um, in the French Quarter in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, I believe it was. They called him uh, Diamond Jim because all his teeth fillings were diamonds. He's in there. Uh, Duplessis Morrison, the mayor that died in the plane crash with his son, is in there. Carlos Marcello, the very notorious mobster, is in Nethery Cemetery. Well, and that, and it, it, this all very much brings up an interesting uh, thing. This woman, like many other women contemporaries that were also in that time, that were also madams, they were important to the culture. Mm-hmm. And I think if we don't reference them if we don't look back if we don't keep their memory alive at some level i know people are always trying to sweep sex work and other things under the rug and or it's got to be hidden or it can't be shown i think 
it's got to be explored. It's got to be brought to light because if it's not, we lose a part of that culture. Well, and from, it's, it from the beginning of time, it happens. You can't just sweep it under the rug. It's just like slavery or any other thing that might not seem politically correct. Now you can't say it didn't happen. Because it happened. Yeah. I'm not gonna mention names, but I've had some friends that say, "Oh my gosh, they're not they're not as like open about like saying." I feel like yes, prostitution should be legal. I'm gonna put yeah, that out there. I've always thought that. I feel like porn should be a long thing as long as you're sticking to normal laws. You're not harming somebody. You're not abusing somebody. You're not trafficking somebody. Should be allowed. I have some friends that actually say, "Oh, but it promotes the trafficking." No, it doesn't. them and told them about you know who I was and I knew all these people. So he was doing a book, you know, like a book signing and talking about the book. It's the borders that you was on St. Charles that used oh, to be a God. funeral home. <laughs> I do remember that. And there's that a woman there and she's got these two kids that it looks like they're driving her crazy. And I told some some uh, doofus fish-eyed fool told me that he thought Addie was still alive. Oh. And that they, they they dismembered some other woman, and she um, and said and, and you know and they said it was her. She faked her death, and then she pushed him off and killed him, and she's somewhere sipping pina coladas or something. I said that is the most stupid thing I ever heard. So many so ridiculous rumors. I've told that. Ethan about that, and he goes, "That's ridiculous." And that woman, she goes, "Oh, that is the stupidest thing I've never heard of anything so dumb." Well, you know who this woman wound up being? Her name was Margaret Sanchez. Oh. You know who she is, huh? Yeah. About two years after this, the torso of a young woman floated in Biloxi Beach. And they, the girl was a stripper in a strip club, kind of like Lana had been. Yeah, on Bourbon Street. Yeah. On Bourbon Street. And I think it was I think it was, was Rick's Cabaret, if I'm not mistaken. And, of course, you know, when the police investigate things, they look at the security camera, see who she left with. They saw her leaving with this couple. Turned out... The couple were the ones who killed and dismembered this girl. And guess who the woman was? Margaret Sanchez. I just flipped when I heard that. And it's funny because the same week that happened, the, uh, there was a TV show about Zach and Addie, and she was interviewed. Ugh. So, I mean, I know, t t I know two people who have had something to do with somebody getting dismembered. Yeah. <sighs> to talk about other rumors and conspiracy theories yeah. and extrapolations and all this well, other stuff. Well, they're always going to have that with a case like this, you know? One thing, though, I have seen on some documentaries, and I'm about to denounce it, and I'm very aggravated that I actually saw it, and really shame on those people. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Shame on those people yeah. for even promoting that idea at all. And I really don't care what happens to them, spiritually <laughs> or otherwise, after what I saw them say. Yeah, well... Let me say a few things. Yes, Zach and Addie lived in an apartment right above or near on the same complex as a as the Voodoo Spiritual Temple yeah, run by Priestess yeah. Miriam. But Voodoo had nothing to do with what happened. Oh, I know that. Anyone that knew Priestess Miriam knows that that woman is full of light and love. All her altars are meant to help the community and help 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 foster those spirits to guide people. And there is no intent from that place or in her heart to cause any or to allow anything to cause that kind of evil uh, will in somebody's heart. So the fact that somebody tried to connect that and 
that first off, it's a false connection, and second off, it has no respect for New Orleans or respect for the voodoo community and the practitioners that are involved in it. I had to say my piece on that because someone tried to present it that way on a documentary, and I was appalled. Was, it, was this a like a major documentary, like from Investigation Discovery, or um, it was something that was on? Was, I'm forgetting what it was. I'm, I'm trying, forgetting exactly, but it was on. I was on Amazon Prime just looking at it. It wasn't just a it wasn't just a YouTuber. No, it was no, it was a it was a web sleuth. No, it was actually trying to be a legitimate documentary, but it was a weird one. It was just, and I was really upset. And there were other people. There was even people out there in on the internet that believe these things and believe this goes on. Y'all need to understand, voodoo is not some simple thing. Oh my gosh, where people are going around hexing people or things like that. No, it is a legitimate faith, a legitimate religion, and has legitimate spirituality and practices in New Orleans. Well, I have a little story from when I was... And that really hurt. That really hurt for them people to do. So whoever is promoting those ideas out there, shame on you. And shut up. And shut up. Yeah. Now, I have a little story, Mm -hmm. and and, and it's... um, well, you know, I was I used to do the ghost tours, and that's one of the most popular stories on the ghost tour. And I tried not I'm sorry, to. Sorry, I got a little upset just now. Um, it that bothered a, me a okay, lot. It's okay. It's okay. I tried not to be too. I, I didn't like being too sensationalist with it. I don't like the, the, some of the stories I heard on some of the ghost tours. It, you know, it, it sensationalized it. They did the voodoo angle like you were talking about. Some of them. Um, I think you know, I've got a couple other little things I want to talk about. But I did. I was talking about the case, and there was a man who was staying at the Omni Royal Orleans, and he said, "Do you have a picture of them?" And I said, "Yeah, I do." And I showed a picture of. It's a picture of them hugging. You know the picture I'm talking about? Yeah. And when he looked at this picture, I swear to God, his face turned white as a ghost. I said, "What is? What's wrong?" He says, "I saw this guy." I said, "When?" He said, "I said you saw him before this happened." He goes, "No, I saw him today." I said, where? He says he was in the hallway in the hotel where I'm staying. I said, what hotel are you staying in? He said, Omni Royal Orleans. I said, oh, shit. He says, yeah. I said, he says, I went up to him. He was crying. His spirit's always probably going to be attached there. He says, and I went up to him, and I said, hey, buddy, what's wrong? Can I help you? And he kind of blew him away, and I said, he said, well, fuck you. I'm just trying to help you, you know, and he just walked away. I said, you sure this was the same guy? He said, I'm positive. He's even wearing the same shirt he's wearing in his picture. Oh. And I was like, whoa. Now, I was also working at a tour company, not Voodoo Bone Lady, a different one. Uh, it was called uh, Capital City Trolleys. You remember them? And uh, one of the girls that worked there, one of the, you know, the girls that booked the tours and everything, her father's a real estate agent, and one of the properties he handled was the, the place where you know, the murder happened. So he asked the landlord, whose name I wasn't going to mention, he says, you did replace those appliances, huh? He goes, oh, no, she washed off. I found that to be so disgusting and so cynical and so, uh, it, it, it just, I, it made me want to throw up to hear that. It was oh just my God. terrible that anybody would be that cold about something that horrible happened to someone. Well, you know. And, you know, it's just sometimes that's how people are. That's why I don't want to mention his name. You don't mention this guy's name. I know anybody that hears this is going to start harassing him, and I don't want that to happen. 
I don't want to be responsible. Isn't the Omni Royal actually closed off access to their roof since then because of that? I'm sure I think they, they did made some well, changes. I, I think they put some railings up to where they, they did some get. things and made you some can't changes. Just jump and people off can't. Like I don't think you can just even go up there now. Like I think that part of the roof where he jumped, I still think they still have the bar area open, but I think they have either a big fence or a wall. They changed something. Part. I can't. I know you can't go to the area where he jumped off anymore. No, 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 no. And uh, Ethan's book, Shake the Devil Off. I thought it was a really good book, but the problem I had with it is that it was really sympathetic towards Zach, and it almost showed out Addy as a villain. And and, and, and that's that's the thing. That's These people were both fair. troubled, and it, it's 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 not this thing of like let's blame one person or the other. We have to look at the thing here that the events, the times in which they lived in. And the way you, mental health yeah. there was not much mental health oh, l- let me explain this was 2006 i mean i was having mental health problems you were having men- we were uh, all having mental health problems i'm gonna tell you something in 2006 i'm gonna tell you something i got when i lived in new jersey for that year and a half I didn't have any problems. I was I was just one of the people watching it on TV, like the rest of the. Well, oh, that's true. You were in New Jersey. I only left. I I was here for the storm, got out. Well, I was here for the storm. You I were here for the, the storm too. Yeah. Everything. Yeah, yeah. So you were just drank stuff, but and I came back after I left, and I was staying with my folks for like a month. I came back right at the end of right 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 for the beginning of October, right at the end of September. I came back right when we come back in the city. I was back in. Yeah, and. This then was a year later from that. I'm just saying that first year back, which is basically the time frame, was, that was not easy, and there was not much mental health access. Let well, you me know tell what you. happened when I first came back. I made the mistake of watching that documentary when the levees broke, because it came out on on DVD, and I bought the DVD. And I swear to God, when when they show the scenes of the Superdome, I could still the smells came back. The smell what it smelled like. The, 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 it, was, it was this like nasty, hot, really, really weathered than usual. You know how hot, humid heat in New Orleans usually is? This isn't even worse. And I could smell that. I could smell the sweaty bodies. And when they showed the dead bodies floating in the river, it, it just, I went through a terrible uh, post traumatic stress and a terrible. I got to the point where I was afraid to leave the house. And Fred went back to work at his old job at this little store in Chalmette. And one night, what was I out of? I, I was out of milk or something that I needed to fix something I wanted to eat. And there was a corner store right down the street, which normally, I mean, today, you know, you go out, you walk there, and you get your stuff. I had to push myself out there. And when I was walking down the street, I was frightened. And I was looking around, and I was acting really. And now I'm thinking to myself, well, now I know how those people that we stare at and look at and say that they're crazy, now I know how they feel. Yeah. You know, I, luckily I was able to get help, and I'm fine now. Well, and going back to Zach and Addie for a moment, just to, to relate all this, you, they were living their lives. They were doing kind of okay. The storm hit. She kind of ended up in this weird, like, adrenaline survival mode. Mm-hmm. And that's what they were in. And they were probably, enjo- like, honestly, because you've, 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 you know, you've lost some basic re, uh, ability, utilities, and things like this, and you got these news crews coming in. It's some excitement. Yeah. Adrenaline's running. Well, they were stars. You're, you're yeah. in a survival mode. And they were enjoying that. And you're in a survival mode at that point. And so you're running. 
everybody doesn't realize, even if you're not feeling good, you're running on an adrenaline high. Everyone was. But then reality sets in. The actual loss sets like in. Like I said. The, the people who aren't around sets in. The the All of those things come back. I... I mean, and, and whatever you might have been building before, the reality, oh my God, I don't have access to this, or the money's not there for this, or, oh, I've had to reorganize that, or, you know, just different things had changed for people. And and I'm sure it changed for Zach and Abby in a way that for many, uh, most people that I knew, their spirits were crushed at some level. Didn't matter their it age, a, their sex, their spirit. race, whatever it was. If they were a new, true New Orleanian that went through this experience, they felt it. They felt it. And you know, we also had to deal with a lot of ignorant people who were saying, like, you know, like, well, you, know, you live below sea level, you got what you deserve. And you know where that, that was happening more than anywhere? It was Baton Rouge and that area. Ponchatoula, places like that. Because when I was Baton Rouge for the first month after the storm, they treated us terrible. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be besmirking any of you guys from Baton Rouge. I'm not besmirking y'all. I mean, you got a great city now and everything. But at that time, they, the, the people of that, that, that town were terrible. And they were treating us as though we brought it upon ourselves. Like, we actually made that hurricane come up. That we were coming to their city and, and messing it and, and, you know, ruining their city. Which... You know, all these people coming in, Walmart started closing early, and you know, fast food places had to close early because they had all these people, and then all these people all of a sudden got this money, and, you know, they were going and they were spending the money, so you couldn't get a cab. I was in the food stamp line, and there was a woman behind me. I stood eight hours in the food stamp line, and she was complaining that they were giving the New Orleans people instead of people in Baton Rouge the food stamps, and she needed them because she was going to have a high electric bill because her family was there. And you know what I told her? I said, well, you know what, lady? At least you have an electric bill to pay. I don't have a house anymore to pay an electric bill. So when I came back, it was really, really terrible. And I, I had to get my, I had to pull myself out of it. So you you can see where Zach and Eddie probably were dealing with the, 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 Especially that first year, the trauma of just living. Well, what you saying about, you know, that, that they had the adrenaline. Because when I was in New Jersey, I had all this FEMA money. We could go out to eat. We were living with Fred's mom. We didn't have to pay any rent. So it was like you didn't have the, 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 like they didn't have the responsibility. But once the city came back, they had to go back to work. They, you know, they had to work. They had to, the responsibility came back. You know, they, they, they had to pay rent again and all these other things. And that's, I, I experienced it. I can relate with the way they felt. Yeah, and the, in 2006 numbers, things were not back yet. No. So so living and working and things like that, it was it was a struggle. Well, I 2007. See, and it can put a strain on a relationship. 2007, I got a job at the Walmart in Chapatulas. It was one of the few stores that was open, and it wasn't even the whole store that was open. And I was a cashier, and there were lines all the way to the back of the store. If you were buying ice cream, it was melted before you got to the... Uh, okay, the I'll tell y'all what I was doing at the time, which means I had to deal firsthand with what was going on in it. Before the storm, I was actually working as a tour guide. Business was not there after the storm. Yeah. When I, but, when I, but I got a job because I had been... I got a job as a 
a staff psychic, actually. I was a psychic reader. And the people that were coming back, we were reading all that. Like, constantly, I was reading a lot of people, and I just felt for them that were coming back. And you, know, I was seeing the same scenarios over and over readings, you know, just hoping mm-hmm. the insurances would come through, hoping things would rebuild, yeah. hoping life would come Not back. Not too much different the city from what we're going through now with the COVID. And I think it's one reason I think us New Orleanians... It's a struggle, but I think we're handling the COVID better than some. Yeah. I mean, it's not great, but we're handling it. Well, you know, at least with the COVID, we still have electricity. We still have entertainment. We we just don't have jobs, and we have to depend on the government for a little while. But it's, you know, and then me, I'm out to semi-retirement now. So I got my first Social Security check today. (laughs) It's not much, I'm going to tell you. So anyway... Um, I don't know if, um, you know, a lot of mental, this mental illness and that whole decade, that first decade of the, the 2000s. And that was a hard decade. I mean, it was, was, there was 9-11. It started the with 9-11. 9-11. And then the, the wars, the war, and then Katrina, Katrina, and then the economic crisis, and then the economic crisis. And New Orleans really didn't start seeing any change. And then the oil spill. Well, the oil spill actually was... At very in almost into the next decade. Yeah, so. but but that didn't help. That's <laughs> also when the Saints won the Super Bowl. Thankfully, that yeah, thankfully when, that <laughs> that is when the city's still coming back. That's when people start uh, having conventions again. That's when they started, uh, you know, all, all the different little things that we were used to started coming back. And we started actually getting. We didn't really get true mental health. Caribbean done until like the next decade was when they really started well, the framework of things being put in the place. The Affordable Care Act. And I think a lot of it, yeah, a lot of it was the Affordable Care Act, and a lot of it was also just about people being back to have the framework yeah. to set up stuff. Yeah, so. Uh, so you actually had, with um, that note, you had actually a number you wanted to yes, share. Yes, yes. We're going to share this number for you. We're doing this. I'm going to also put it in the description, too. It's, um, where is it? All right, this is the uh, Veterans Administration Mental Health Services. If you're a veteran and you're suffering with mental health, you can call this our hotline at uh, 1-877-222-8387. And then there's another number, 877-222. Oh, that's the same number, 222. (laughs) Just written smaller. Okay, uh, 1-877-222-8387. And uh, we, uh, we, our next series is going to be about asylums, so we're going to be talking more about mental health. And, yeah, so the whole next month is going to be about asylums. And we really, including looking at this, like when we, tonight we're looking at this case, but going into the next month, we really want people to look at, even in insanity, there is a human level. There is a humanity that has to be recognized. Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's really what we're going to be exploring over this next month. Yeah, so... Anyway, um, we'll give you our social media. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at, at A Shutters. You can follow us on Instagram at Open Shutters Podcast. And our Facebook page is the official page for Open Shutters, a creepy podcast. If you have any comments or any questions, and we will read the questions on the, on the podcast if you like. Our uh, email address is openshutters at yahoo.com it's all one word openshutters 
And, you know, that shutters with a D in case you <laughs> Yeah, it's just like our podcast is. Uh, is uh, so you have anything to add, Philip, before we go? Be kind. Don't don't judge till you know unless you know everything. Yeah. And even if you know everything, I think you'll be kinder to people. Uh, I think after this country survives COVID, people are going to be a little bit more. I, I think if there was another Katrina, people would be a little more empathetic. It's a, you know it was almost like people had no empathy. They had gone through you know the 80s happened. The me uh, greed is good that kind of thing, and I think that a little bit too much of that stuck. So anyway. Uh, we will be back next week. Enjoy the view from the open shutters. But don't fall out the window. Thank you. Goodbye, Bye. everybody. Goodbye. makes someone like Lulu White so important is this yes. as we get down in the timeline and I mean I, I'm not trying to story I'm trying to look at this as a sociological perspective here you know <laughs> Barry handles more of our historical facts I'm just trying to look at it sociologically also the importance of what she did with the Mahogany Hall with the musicians it has to be said her influence on not just black culture but taking that black culture to make it all of New Orleans culture. Yeah. To have those musicians that eventually would be the starts of jazz music that would become what is New Orleans music and culture as we know it. Yeah because that's that basically that type of music was born in She Storyville. gave that arena. Yeah. Mahogany Hall was that arena. It was that zone. It was that place. Mahogany Hall is still I mean, you have people today, to this day, know what you're talking about when you say mention Mahogany Hall. It, she, she's still well known. She's still being talked about a hundred, almost a hundred years after her death, ninety years after her death. And I just think the name is so beautiful that she used like Mahogany Hall. Yeah. Like it's almost as she knew at a level, and, and 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 I'm just saying this is not saying oh my god this is not being historical I'm just thinking sociologically I think there's a part of her that may have knew she was presenting black excellence now according she to, knew she was doing that in the, the music the biggest problem according to um, spectacular witness is that she uh, became she had some bad business investments and I think she she I, I believe she may have had a gambling problem because towards the end of her life she was destitute like I said she was living with Willie Piaz probably because she had nowhere else to go she was you know like Blanche Dubois she couldn't and she couldn't do you know the Storyville was gone by 1931 Prohibition was in. Well, you know, and, and who so. knows? I mean, we're looking at you. She died in 1931, right? Uh, yeah. Supposedly. Okay, so what a, one no, of the later, issues right? was, like many people, you, you we really can't say, oh my God, yeah. if you really want to just look in the context of it, 
the 1920s, she probably did like many Americans, black and white or any race, they had borrowed too much on credit. Yeah. And that's probably what she had done as well. And so it's not so much that she went destitute per se. She was just happening to go through the same circumstance that many Americans probably went through. I can't confirm what I'm saying, but I'm just looking at the time frame. Generally, it's probably part of what happened. Yes. Um, but yeah, she did make some bad investments. Well, yeah. And she, um, she, but she died broke. She pretty much died destitute. Well, a lot of people died broke in early 30s. So, she, so. Uh, she, um, she at one time earned millions, and she lost it all. Yeah, and that and that and that does show. I mean, well, actually, you know, when, when you know when they, they when, you know, Castoriaville was closed by the U.S. Navy in 1917, and the reason it was closed is because they put the, they made the, they put the naval base um, on Poland Avenue. You know, with the naval base on Poland Avenue, I think they believe they just tore it down. As a matter of fact, and there was a, a they. they Congress put some law. They were going through all this reform thing, and there was this um, upswing in evangelicalism. Amy Semple McPherson, and they were, you know, they were going into a little family values time, kind of like the 1980s. Not much different, even though they were decadent. They were trying to be all prudish and everything at the same time, and. Uh, there's all the reform and prohibition. Prohibition was another um, factor, and they uh, so they closed. So the, you know, all everything was in the reform. You know, even uh, which we're going to touch on in our um, Storyville episode, in our bonus episode, we're talking about even Carrie Nation. You know, who Carrie Nation was Carrie Nation was the anti. The, she was a suffrage, and she was yeah. um, she was all for. Um, Prohibition. She was anti-liquor because her husband died of alcoholism, and she was the one with the hatchet that would go around, you know, breaking down the saloons and everything. And she actually visited Storyville and was given the tour and everything of it, and came away very impressed. That's in the book Empire of Sin. That's another one you want to look at. It's real. That's really a good book too. Well, we need to really appreciate. The importance of Lulu White, and and, yes. and almost have a sense of gratitude as a New Orleanian. It doesn't matter if you're black, white, <laughs> you know, mixed. You 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 owe something if you live in this city. Even if you live in America, you owe something because she influenced culture. There is music you probably listen to today where she to have not had those musicians in her hall, we wouldn't have some of the music we. Well, have would Jelly Roll Morton have become the star he became? Exactly, and how much influence well, that had on American her, music. You know? Yeah, it really makes you wonder. You know? Yeah, it does. It makes you wonder. Yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. Uh, I'm really kind of honored to be covering this. I find that, I, 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 like you said, I'm also for legalized prostitution, and I'm finding that the Red Light District Storyville actually worked. But also there's so many things just in culture, like if you look at it, a lot of you are talking about, but like, these women sometimes influenced fashion, makeup, hairstyle. Like, they were the forefront. A lot of times it was these women in the prostitution industry that would transform and push that envelope into what would eventually And they were actually future. early feminists. They were like the female... Um... I know, there's some feminists that don't like 
to agree to your statement on there, but I feel like they are feminists, you know? I have some friends I've heard to say, oh, you know, people in the sex industry can't be feminists, and I'm like, that's wrong, because I think some of the most amazing feminists that I know are some of my friends who are burlesque dancers, second sex industry workers, stripper. They're some of the best. I don't think you could have gotten to be more of a feminist than Gloria Lennon. She was a smart businesswoman. She was also a pornographic actress. Like when we watched The Deuce, I believed that um, that Candy was which we'll be talking about the, that on our one uh, of the uh, characters, pornography. One of the people uh, she was based episode. on was um, was Gloria Leonard. Gloria Leonard started as a as a prostitute, and she became a giant in adult in, in entertainment industry. She you know, up up into her sixties, she she didn't act anymore, but she 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 became wealthy. From that, you know. Well, thank you, Lulu White. Thank you, I'm, Lulu I'm gonna White. I'm going to say it. Thank you so much. So, okay, I hope you guys are enjoying this series as much as we're enjoying bringing it to you. So, before we go, I want to uh, mention uh, some of our social media. Uh, first of all, I'll, um, you can follow us on Twitter, which we made a thousand followers hey. today. Follow us on Twitter at A. Capital A, uppercase A, whatever you want to call it, shutters, uppercase S E H U D D E R S. You, our uh, Facebook uh, page, official pa- our, our Facebook page, is called Open Shutters, a creepy podcast. Our Facebook group is called the official page for Open Shutters, a creepy podcast, and we post pictures and things like that from uh, you know from the people we talk about we'll be posting some pictures of Lulu White you can follow us on Instagram which will also be posting some pictures of Lulu White at Open Shutters Podcast and you, uh, what, what's the other one? Oh yeah, our email address is openshutters at yahoo.com now I want to talk one more time about our Patreon page which is uh, www.patreon.com slash Open shutters, forward slash open shutters, and our three tiers of support to help us pay for this wonderful new laptop we got so we could give you, bring you a more quality show. We also need money so that we can go to vacation, so we can, we can hit some of the, the, uh, like, like Crime Con and some of the other conventions because we want to meet you guys. We want to take pictures with you. And we also, you know, in our top tier, you get all these great gifts if you stick with it. That's $25 a month. I mean, what? That's a lot less than your cable bill, isn't it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> so anyway, until next week, enjoy the view from the open shutters. But don't fall out the window. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. And we'll be back next week with some bonus episodes also.